The Project Kuwait. Learn, learn, So today we're joined by. So we were joined by Dane Lynch today. So one of the coaches here in here in Kuwait, and he talks to us a little bit about gymnastics as a foundation of general people's movement. So everyone from from adults all the way down to kids. We do talk a little bit about getting kids into sport how they can uh, from an early age and kind of when's the best time to get them to start doing strength training, gymnastics training, how to move them forward in their athletic potential. I thought the best part was going over movement patterns and how everyone's physiologically different. Like he described on the show that we all have different bones, joints, sockets, and we're not all one size fits all and trainers need to accommodate a person's build. And then my my favorite part was when we got into... uh, CrossFit programming for competitions. We talked a little bit about competitive programming and how some of our local competitions need to tone it down a little bit and maybe even out the playing field, I would say, between males and females. Yeah, for sure. So there's a, there's a little bit of opinion from all sides on how best to kind of go forward with programming and, and obviously the way that we see programming in competitions and whether it's really all that inclusive for everybody. So yeah, it's an interesting one. And should prize money be talked about beforehand? Very true. We will leave it up yeah. to you guys to decide. So enjoy, guys, and definitely leave some feedback for us after the episode. All this and more in today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are joined by... Coach Dane. What's up? What's up, buddy? What's up? Hey. So we, we, My we, friend and yours, Dane yeah, Lynch. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> a, lo- a lot of testosterone in this room today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we got the young gun in here. So, dude, it, you know, talk a little bit about yourself. Like, what's your background, man? Uh, well, I started off playing rugby. Uh, got into fitness really young. Obviously, my parents were big fitness enthusiasts, so they got me and my sister into rugby, hockey, swimming, all, any sport you could really get us into. I suppose I was super hyperactive, so there's anything to calm me down, really. And then, yeah, I came out to Kuwait when I was 10 years old. Started playing a little bit of rugby out here, went over to South Africa again, played rugby there for a little bit longer. Did tons of strength and conditioning stuff, and then someone mentioned CrossFit to me. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for like 15 years already. Like, I know how to do this, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was basically from like kind of doing like a lot of like the rugby preseason yeah like you training. Did, and it was just like oh, but it was all broken up for rugby like you do your strength and conditioning in the morning you do your your metcon work in the uh, in the afternoon you do your running stuff if you're a little bit overweight or underweight for your position you go do your specific training fat club yeah fat club. <laughs> basically, basically called fat club it was, club, it was club, called yeah. fat club, club and uh yeah we did that um you didn't even have to be fat to be in fact. Like, that was an annoying thing. If you didn't meet the percentages for your position, then you had to go up, wake up early in the morning and do your uh, your cardio to get your weight down uh, or your body fat percentage down just to, to be in your position. So the coaches were firm believers in like they wanted faster players, stronger players. They didn't want anyone with uh, excess fat in you because you just mean more weight to carry around. I mean, they prefer having muscles. So I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so, I was skinny. <laughs> and then, yeah, I came, came to Kuwait. Uh, I got injured and I came back here to do a little surgery on my groin. And started to get back into things, and that's where I started looking at personal training as a career, and uh, did an online personal training degree. Started working in uh, I was at C Club, and uh, yeah, that's where I started making. That was the first job I had working there at a, at a gym, and yeah, I started developing myself as a trainer, kind of using a lot of stuff I'd learned from rugby in terms of nutrition and training, and then yeah, the, met a few people that were doing CrossFit, and they told me come down. And didn't look back really, just really enjoyed training with other people instead of just uh, ten reps by ten, rest one minute. Boring by yourself. <laughs> yeah. I was actually I had a conversation last night about this CrossFit, saying how like uh, when I try to go back to kind of doing the uh, accessory bodybuilding stuff, I found it so boring. Like I'm so so used to training with people now, like and doing CrossFit and, and mixing all the different stuff, just couldn't go back to it. Just super boring sitting there. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, yeah. I'm not out of breath. I'm not feeling. I'm feeling like crap. <laughs> like, yeah. What's up? Not having to like constantly push yourself through yeah. like a high heart rate, and you're kind of like, okay, like. Am I even working out here? Yeah, there's just a different mentality to, to the training. Well, it's just a different modality. I yeah, mean, it, it still has its benefits. I mean, bodybuilding type of training, it's you know, the bro splits or whatever you want to call it, even though it's changed these days, but it's got its benefits. Yeah, 100%. That's what I still use as you're like right. your, your accessory work to your, your, your like Olympic lifting or your gymnastics or whatever. It still has a place and it's 100% needed. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's not like we see that as a boring thing rather than a, a more exciting part of the training. Yeah. And it's just, I guess, yeah, changing, changing what your, your kind of mindset training is, really. So speaking of mindsets, when I first met you, I mean, you, you're, you're my kid's trainer. Yeah. And my kid's four, and I'm trying to get him into CrossFit early. <laughs> so you, you struck up good conversation. 
especially when you're talking about movement patterns and how children have movement patterns and then, you know, we slowly move away from it. So what are some of the biggest movement pattern flaws you see trainers and clients do? Oh, that's a deep question. a broad deep question. question. I mean, there's a lot. <clears throat> you get, like, it just people, the, the biggest problem I would have to say I see is, like, people trying to fit a mold. So, like, this is how you should squat. This is how you should branch. This is how you should do a push-up, whatever it is. Well, some of the trainers don't take into account, like, you have different people with different body types, different experiences, different injuries, different, like, over time, you build up um, different movement patterns, like that we're talking about, um, whether they are bad or good, but people don't take that into account, and sometimes, like, oh, you're forcing a squat, that's typical crossfit one, toes forward, knees out, upright torso, <laughs> um, and that puts, like, Kelly Starrett used to say, like, you put a load of torque into your legs, it allows you to drive more, but sometimes like, that's a little bit too much for some people and their ligaments and stuff, if, especially if they're already uh, doing quite a lot of stuff that's going to put uh, strain on those ligaments. It doesn't necessarily make it better. You basically worsen it instead of breaking it down, the movement, stuff like that. So, uh, like, I'd have to say a lot of people don't break down movements enough into segmented parts where you can train through better range of motion and then start opening that up slowly, slowly, but surely. I think like one of, an example that was one of the clients uh, that I have, um, and he's he's got terrible mobility. You, you know the guy I'm talking about because he used to train him as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with him, you couldn't you could load up a barbell and he with know, 150 kgs and still wouldn't make it below parallel, but believed full well he believed full well he was doing perfect squats, um, <laughs> and then breaking it down to like box squats and then taking it lower and lower and adding weight and eventually seeing how he. Um, He's opened up and found new stance, like changing his stance completely, changing his breathing, changing his setup to the bar, and all of a sudden, like now he's doing like Olympic lifting, like, oh, like squats kind of thing. And it's just yeah, again, finding people's patterns that they move in, and then kind of what's best for them in terms of their their own biology. So again, people have different hip sockets. But like, that, you talked the, about that once with me, and I yeah. was I want I was that was my next question. I was going to ask you. So yeah, yeah, again, that's what I was saying. Different body types. People have have deeper hip sockets, shallow hip sockets. Uh, same thing with shoulders, and like people are built differently in, ten, in terms of muscle, in terms of uh, bone density. So there's just there's many factors you take into account when it comes to movement. You can't just say, okay, well, this is what it should look like, but you don't look like this, so you're doing it wrong. Like you have to find what kind of position. That's the whole thing. Like the biggest thing that I have is like your feet have to face forward. Like <laughs> everyone, everyone comes to me and tells me that, like, oh, but my, my feet aren't facing forward, so I don't think I'm squatting good. And it's like that's that's not a massive issue. It's it's uh, one of the more small issues to focus on. The better one is to focus on what's happening with your hips. Are you squatting pain free? <laughs> like, um, but yeah, those those would probably be the biggest ones. Probably one of the easiest movements like to see is like a plank or a, a hollow body position where you'll get people coming in and be like, oh, can you do a plank? Like when you do first assessments with clients, they ask them, oh, can you do a plank? And like, yeah, yeah, I can do a plank. And you see them go down into this like huge arch back, big dip in position. Yeah. And it's like, but this is what my trainer showed me how to do. And it's just like, that's like, there's no core engagement there whatsoever. So just a quick question about planks, because there was some new research that was introduced like earlier in the year. And, you know, I, I read about it. Whereas the plank, instead of keeping the straight position, you want to kind of have an arch up. So almost like a, uh, like a bridge going over. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on that? I mean, it was just, it was, it kind of, it started floating about last year and there was, there was a heavy push towards it and there was right. some research to back it up. So. Yeah, no, I've, I've had uh, quite a few arguments with people over this because uh, some people believe in that neutral spine position. Yeah. And I think what it comes down to is like, what are you training for? Is it like, if you are doing the movements, what's the goal, the purpose of the movement, basically, if you're doing it to strengthen your core, and you you don't really have any back issues or anything to worry about, then yeah, I would suggest that one, which is basically full core engagement where you're using pelvic tilt, pulling the ribcage down, engaging the core, and kind of teaching the the whole movement almost like a hollow body position, but done on your elbows. Whereas if it's somebody who needs to learn how to maintain spine neutral spinal position, then I would suggest not going that excessive. Being able to do it is definitely beneficial, but uh, the, the the hollow body position upside down, but for spinal health reasons, the same thing as a bird dog. A lot of people do that movement incorrectly as yeah, well, which yeah. is the whole point of the movement is to maintain what's a neutral spine. So what's neutral to that person and then being able to maintain that through movement, through your arm and your leg. And I think the plank is basically like the first step to doing the correct bird dog, which is just maintaining that neutral spine where you have some core engagement, some back engagement, something where not predominantly back engagement where your back is doing all the stabilization or just because the biggest thing was saying that when your spine is in that position and you're not engaging your core you're just dropping it down and that causes the, the discs to start yeah. pressing on each other um, and I think that was the argument against it um, and that I was mean I was I thinking of more or less doing the plank where my, my back is arched up 
Yeah, that's like a gymnastics so, like you, the tall plank. So you go up into your hands and do the same thing where you separate your scaps and you press your body into that yeah, rounded yeah, yeah. Up position. Personally, I found it for me. I found it more engaging towards my core. Yeah, like I get more of a, I get more of a core. I activate my glutes through it. So for me, it works. Whereas my wife, she always sees me. She's like, "You got to bring your butt down. Get your butt down." And I'm like, "Dude, this is how I do my plank. This yeah. is what I. This is how I feel." No, hundred percent. But like I said, like that's more of a core. That's a focus on getting that core active. That's like a if you wanted to get your like working through that core position, it has a lot more transfer over to other movements like in gymnastics, which is why it is taught heavily in gymnastics. It's it's, it's more for a movement pattern, not for a corrective exercise. Oh, okay. So, do you think gymnastics is something most gym goers should incorporate into oh, their programs? Because yeah. you know, if you go to uh, some of the big box gyms here in Kuwait, yeah, you're not going to see these guys doing gymnastics. Hell, you you'll see one pull up bar amongst a thousand different machines yeah and i mean it's funny a few years ago the number one question when they asked what gym they should go to they're like does it have machines i'm like dude that's not what you should be looking at oh yeah i mean when i started like when one of the gyms i was working in before they were um, they told me that they were going to bring in a functional area and i was like oh cool that's that's what i want to do like functional training that was when functional just started being a word basically in fitness <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that word is now. Now it's like it's abused and abused. (laughs) It is utterly abused. But then again, I didn't know what functional movement was back then either. I thought like squatting and deadlifting were functional, and to a point they are, but they aren't the the be all and end all. But the gym I worked in here, especially in Kuwait, uh, most people are not really educated on it. So you see a lot of people asking for like our machines and machines. These are the best machines, and what that does is people don't realize it takes out all the stabilization of the movement, and you're just kind of working your prime movers, the bigger muscle groups. To fatigue, so. and that's why you need to do nine machines per exercise. Yeah. You know, it's 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 funny because I was a machine person. Mm. I was definitely a machine person when I first got into the gym scene, but we didn't know any better. So, like, yeah, I saw a lot of growth, a lot of muscle growth, a lot of. It, but I was working my ass off, like chest. It was literally like eight, nine exercises for me, mm. and my biggest bang for my buck would come from dips. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's it's amazing. But then it's like taking someone off the the. I don't know, chest press and say, okay, cool, on the bench, grab some dumbbells. It's try, a lot different. Try to hit the same weight. It's, it's, it's not going to happen and it's yeah. probably too dangerous to do that either. Like to settle, tell them to, to grab the same amount of weight and dumbbells and do that because, again, they're not used to the, the moving and stabilizing the, the dumbbells. Um, but in terms of putting gymnastics in, yeah, I mean, like there was one pull-up bar in that gym and it, was, it wasn't even a pull-up bar. It was one of those... Uh, it seems like it's got cable and cable on the side and it's got like that uh, big archway in the middle oh, okay, and it's yeah. got the... Lap pull bar. Like multi- oh my god! Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that multi system. <laughs> and like <laughs> I, I remember, <laughs> like that was when I kind of started getting its CrossFit, and I was like trying to do muscle ups on this thing. And people were just staring at me like, "What's this kid doing?" <laughs> it's like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> In terms of people doing gymnastics, I think yeah, a lot of people see gymnastics or they hear the word gymnastics. I think a better way to describe it would be uh, calisthenics, like a mixed calisthenics and gymnastics, because it's just body weight movements. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have to be at a high level. Like I'm not talking about muscle ups, stuff like that. Like a simple push up, doing yeah. a push up correctly, doing a pull up, or even a hang. People don't think like hanging is hugely beneficial. Oh my god, yeah. The amounts yeah. of uh, just recently, I've been reading studies on uh, people just doing hanging therapy. So there's a doctor in the states who was doing uh, loads of arthroscopic surgeries, so shoulder surgeries, and uh, he was has a I think it was a precursor for the surgery. We're just getting people to do was uh, start hanging from a bar, not full body weight and like progressing yeah. to it and he found that a lot of people that he was doing that with they started opening up the range of motion in the shoulder and the arms like biceps started to release chest um, back and everything um, and he found that by just by doing that like that relieved tons of the, the symptoms that these people were having so and also there's there's new research that supports that it decompresses the spine once you yeah you know, hanging, well. hanging upside down as well as hanging from your arms and just I think the the study said that you leave your the tips of your toes you don't want to be fully hanging to decompress the spine but you leave the tips <clears> of your toes on the ground and what it does is it decompresses the spinal cord yeah. and opens it up a little bit so I mean that's, that's I think Eric Eric Lang weightlifting one on one does that with a lot of athletes. I see that loads on his Instagram. Oh, that's like, awesome. We got, like, we got a reference too. <laughs> yeah, he, he puts uh, straps, like they strap up and he, uh, yeah. he he lets them hang from the, the bars. Funny enough, yeah. like, I mean, the, one, the two main things that they did for recovery post-workout in China was to hang and to use the decompression table. So oh, wow. like uh, the table where you basically hook your feet in, um, like kind of, and then it turns around and you hang upside down like a bat. So like you're kind of like, st- like kind of lying there, just like in midair, like suspended. 
upside down and yeah, it decompresses your spine. You stay yeah. there for a couple of minutes. I saw an infomercial then, on one of those the other yeah. day, but it's got like this weird thing to curve your spine. I'm like, these sons of bitches are making money off this shit now. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're saying hang with, you know, this thing digging in your back. And yeah. I'm like, all right, hanging, I can see the benefits from that. But with a thing like going in your back to like give you a hyper arch. I, I, saw, I saw one yesterday. It was, a, <laughs> it was a head setup and it had like this whole like brace that came around and you had mouth guard put in. And it was like a dude hanging from his doorway, like hanging his whole head. Oh, and it was like, shit, and it was, like decompressing the <laughs> neck and spine and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Can, no, what about the that's guys weird. that do the... Uh, the chin things with weights have you yeah, seen those yeah I used to do those dude but that's crazy man well, well when we were playing rugby we had to like strengthen the neck and this was one of the things we had to yeah. increase our, our strength and our mobility so like you'd get all the guys would be on the end of the benches with tiles on our head putting like 40-50 kgs and like just nodding yes and <laughs> but, nodding backwards and side to side but why not just do shrugs I mean shrugs that, that was you part build, of it but, but if you build up the stabilization in your traps mm. you know that's that's what boxers do at least you know a lot of boxers we did tons of shrugs I've like, seen Auntie Joshua doing some suspended neck neck activation yeah. just for all the listeners like, don't do this shit at home it's Auntie Joshua like yeah. literally one and of the when we did this this was done in front of like strength and conditioning coaches it wasn't just guys like throwing weight on the head like yeah they were actually coaches the thing is you see that way too often in gyms where guys yeah. are just I mean obviously like I've seen Anthony Joshua do it but I'm not exactly going to pick it up and do yeah. it with my clients like straight away because well, they're not so, professional boxers yeah. in the heavyweight exactly. division yeah. <laughs> exactly so I mean I think I guess that's kind of the difference though isn't it it's not yeah. like something you see on Instagram or you see on the website or whatever um, and then you just go, hey, that must be good for your neck. Like I'll just do it with my with my eighty year old woman client. Like she needs to do it. <laughs> like so, oh, yeah. Arthur, the Jack next yeah. walking around town. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's there's obviously a a kind of a journey through fitness, and I guess kind of coming full circle back to like the importance of gymnastics and yeah. body weight movements. Then actually, like those are the basis of everything else that we do to make sure that we're doing it properly. I mean, like you said about doing like the hanging therapy and everything like that, like it's basically shoulder mm. exercise and therapy to that you can just do by hanging off something using your own body weight. You don't have to have a machine or anything like that to be able to do it. Um, and it's kind of like there's many steps towards kind of fitness and advanced movement, but using your body and being able to coordinate that is like yeah. much the first one. hundred oh, percent. Yeah. 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 And then, but I mean, the most basic part of it is like grip strength, just hanging from a bar, you can increase your grip strength and that's in your forearms and everything. And that, that benefits, the benefits from that like link over so much more to, to other stuff. Whereas when it comes to sports, like throwing and hand-eye coordination oh, yeah. and it comes to like weightlifting, holding onto that bar. So like, yeah, because I've never had a problem with the, with grip strength before. And that's, I've spent so much time just hanging from barbells. I mean, the, the kind of, when I got into the most was when I uh, sprained my ankle. And yeah, I spent tons of time just working on gymnastics. I went through Dusty Highlands uh, skill work and I just went through that for a few months and uh, it was just the most basic, basic stuff and it was hollow rocks and tuck crunches, like all the accessory stuff for core and then it was just uh, controlled movements on a bar, like weighted pull-ups, dips, going through paused reps, like doing kipping with a pause and then like continuing. And I use that quite a lot for my clients today for like CrossFit gymnastics, just purely teach them coordination and control because a lot of the time is uh, with kipping, butterfly pull-ups and stuff is not, I see a lot of people trying to do it and they can't get the timing right and I think those pause reps help out loads. So like learning more control over moving is yeah. kind of the big, the biggest thing. Um, and I mean that transfers to all movements, like whether it's weightlifting, whatever, whenever you need tempo, stuff like that, you're learning how to control the movement and, and feel like where your biggest weaknesses are. So, but I mean, in, yeah, so going back to the original question with the gymnastics, <laughs> people, yeah, I, I generally think everyone should incorporate it because again, it's body weight movement and even in CrossFit, I think Greg Glassman was only said that like you have to, every human being should, should be able to control their body weight. Um, yeah, um, that's so true. Control body weight yep. movement before lifting a, a heavy barbell and I think that's, I, I really agree with that. When I was coaching baseball, the kids would be like, coach, what, what weight lifting can I do? And I'm like, look, learn how to control your body, do push-ups first, mm. do these normal movements. Once you progress, then you can start adding load. Yeah. But first, learn how to learn how to move your body, and that goes into my next question with with kids. So, I mean, dude, you coach my kid, and you're freaking, you're phenomenal. You're oh. one of the best oh, coaches that I've seen with a child. And it all started when we first walked in, and you got down to DJ's level. You know, you looked him in the eye. You treat him with respect. You know, you don't you don't treat him like yeah. other coaches where you know you're a kid. You're just going to do is you know you you find different ways to work with children. So, where does that passion come from? And how did it come about? Because I think a lot of people can learn from that. It's like, oh, <laughs> me and my sister, we were like the oldest of our cousins. So we ended up doing tons of babysitting for all the, the entire rest of the family. So 
uh, from a young age, I've, I've worked with loads of kids. And then uh, my mom was a PE teacher. And so she was a, the swimming coach. Uh, and she basically, she did the, the juniors, like real, real juniors. And me and my sister used to go out and help uh, her with it. And it was my mom who was actually really good with uh, kids. So I picked up a lot of stuff from her. And then uh, playing rugby as well, we'd do coaching programs. We would go coach the younger teams. So spending loads of time with kids there as well, like teaching them skills and, and stuff. And then coming to Kuwait, coaching the, the rugby team here as well, again, for the juniors. And so you just get over years of building up experience with it. And I worked in a school. I was a teaching assistant for KG, yeah, KG at the time in year one. And also like I worked with a kid who had cerebral palsy and I was his personal assistant. So I got to spend time with him and then spend time when I wasn't spending time with him, I was helping the teachers out with it. And that was like year five, year six, and with splitting their class loads and stuff, so helping kids out. And through like working with teachers, working with my mom who was a swimming coach, you kind of learn a lot about kids and you spending so much time with them, you realize like they're not as stupid as people think. Yeah. <laughs> they're actually, they're quite clever. Like they're very manipulative. <laughs> um, yep. But like if you can, if like you said, if you can get down to their level and you kind of treat them like you're not looking down and that was the biggest thing my, my mom kind of taught me. I was just like, just talk to them like a normal person. They're more, more likely to respond to you if they kind of understand why they're doing something. So that was the biggest thing. Um, and then you kind of realize from your own experiences, I'm sure you two have had your own experiences as kids, like when you, you did sports or whatever, or even like anything, it doesn't have to be sports. Like the, I, I was, my, for me it was math. I hated math. It was never made fun or interesting. It was just kind of forced down your throat. And yeah. still today I'm terrible in math just because like I never had any interest in learning it. And like I used to get physically sick in class because the teachers, like the amount of stress and stuff I had from it, and they'd try to force it on you again and again and again just because you weren't getting it. Whereas in sports with kids, I found it was like, the things I enjoyed the most were playing sports just because it was fun and nothing was kind of forced on you. You just kind of run around, play a game. Yeah, you, you enjoyed it. And like, and still today, like kids will go after school and play football or play rugby or play whatever because it's a fun thing to do. You want to do it. And the more you want to do something, the more you pick it up. So like in terms of training kids, that's sort of the philosophy I stay around, which is kind of letting the kid do what they want to do, but showing them the right way. Yeah. Because going back to movement patterns, kids haven't really built up that many muscle imbalances at, at, at like a young age. Yeah. And from courses that I've done in the past, like an endurance course, stuff like that, and watching kids running and weightlifting and squatting and stuff, you see the younger kids generally do it with perfect, perfect technique. And because they haven't learned the wrong way to do it, they haven't started sitting, they haven't started wearing high heels and sh- like, and these, like, all these little things like play big roles in it. Yeah. But they also haven't had any injuries. They haven't had exposure to, to different movement things and, or yeah. to load even. So they haven't been sitting behind a desk for like 20 yeah. years. So I think that, yeah. So, I mean, they, yeah, they, they generally do things correctly the first time. And, and so it's just kind of reinforcing what they already know how to do, but then adding challenges to it. Like the biggest thing is, is for kids with strengthening is strongman training. Uh, like <laughs> that's kind of like when I, when I say strong, I don't mean like, Loading them up with a huge. I, I, I like I, the I movement because patterns. of my Instagram. Do you know how much shit I got because they saw a DJ walking with two five pound dumbbells? Oh man, that, Dude, that drives me crazy. I had, I was, I don't know if you guys saw this on my Instagram, but I just started posting study after study. Yeah, saying that there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. it I think it was an old wives' tale that came out, like saying uh, there was there was theory based behind it was that lifting weights promotes testosterone and having a high level of testosterone then sets your growth plates, which is why it said like it was going to stunt your growth. But that was all theorized. But they, no they also said damage your growth plates. That's yeah. what that's what a lot of pediatricians used to say. And people don't understand if you damage your growth plates, you're getting hurt. Yeah. Like you're you're going to be in severe a severe amount of pain. But a lot of this was just theorized. There was no yeah. studies done instead of the time, and this was all like done back. Like the sports science in the last five years is like huge leaps, huge. Yeah, back then there wasn't as much detail and data we have today, and so a lot of the stuff was just people saying what they believed or what they thought was true. And it's coming. It's now coming out. That it's not true. And, and and you don't even need science to kind of to to believe that. Just think about like your everyday kid. Maybe not so much in Kuwait, or even a little bit in Kuwait, but but more so in like in America or in places where you have outdoor. Like I mean, you know, growing up in South Africa, like going to farms and stuff like that. You would help your dad chop wood. Then you would carry. Like you put your arms out, your dad load up as many logs yep. as you can. It was a fun game. Like okay, how many? How much wood can you carry inside the fireplace? And like load up all these logs in your hand. And you're carrying like. 10 kgs worth of logs in a Zercher squat, like yeah. in a Zercher carry, and putting that inside. And then, like, running around, moving such a logs. Such movement, too. Yeah. It's like such a forgotten movement at a gym. But yeah, sorry. No, it's like, I mean, the kids, like, pick up logs. They carry backpacks. They, they're jumping from uh, from jungle gyms and stuff. They're doing monkey bars, doing basic gym. Now, if you break down the movements, like, these kids are doing, like, 
all the movements that we're doing now as a belt. And they, a lot of the time they're doing it under load. Like, and people don't see that. They just see, oh, this is the kid having fun. And it's like, but the kid is still working out. They're still carrying stuff. I mean, when my dad's car broke down, we get behind the car and we'll all try to push the car. That's yeah. like a, that's a sled push right there. Yeah. And we couldn't push the car. It was heavy, but it didn't stop us from trying. I mean, like all of us putting Still 100%. Working maximally. Yeah, exactly. Journey. Working maximally <laughs> to push this car at a very, very young age. And it's not damaging. It's promoting to the kid's health. Because again, you go into the, the argument of uh, like sedentary lifestyle for kids, especially in Kuwait, where we have a huge obesity problem. It's horrible now. Um, I think that's twofold. Like people not being educated on nutrition and then just the kind of, we're in that technology lifestyle all the kids were given ipads and phones and there's not so much outdoor activity to do like there's no like in south africa you had parks you had beaches you had uh, farms whatever to go run around on all day and tons of outdoor sports as well but Whereas, it depends on the parents I yeah mean, i mean if you you might even yeah. when my parents came much before like there's a lot more nowadays to do than there was when i came much and sure, my parents yeah. still found things for me to go do like to go play rugby or to they'd get us out to the beach or they'd take us out to the days to go camping or whatever there was always stuff to do as long as you looked for it but yeah, it's, it is down to the parents to kind of educate the kids on, on nutrition and, and uh, how to eat properly and not just ordering Burger King. Yeah, I know, food. right? That's, I think I mean, that's a bigger part. Yeah, like Taliban carriage, like it's made it so easy. <laughs> I had this conversation with uh, one of my clients the other day. I realized like it kind of seems so ancient, but when you used to actually call up the actual restaurant that you wanted to order from. 2465050 Pizza Hut delivery ready to yeah. go. I still remember yeah. it. I still remember that crap. I, I, I remember like going to school and like dial Burger King, chat to the guys. And like now you just go on your phone, a little app and just link to your credit card. You just tap, tap, tap and food's there in 20 minutes. And in it's so UK, easy. It's like, scary. The only places that deliver were like pizza places. Yeah. Like, and that was only like a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like when I came here and they said you can basically order whatever you want <laughs> I was like what that's crazy like ice cream like whatever I was like that's crazy why, why would you why would you even do that this supermarket is like two minutes away <laughs> dude globally globally when I worked for Taco Bell here globally we were the first Taco Bell to introduce delivery like I launched Taco Bell's delivery globally basically here in Kuwait and I'll never forget it we were trying to figure out how to you know, make it so the taco doesn't get soggy because the shell is going to get soggy if you yeah. leave it for delivery. So then we came up with the theory of the upside down taco, put the lettuce on the bottom, meat on the top. You know, so it gives you a little bit of buy time. Yeah, right. Look at that. And then people started complaining. They're like, why is the meat on top? And I'm like, dude, we're doing this so it doesn't, so you don't get a soggy taco, man. <laughs> no one wants a soggy taco. Man. I know. And then they tried, they tried introducing okay, we'll just give you all of the, like, we'll give you the meat separate, this separate. I was like, hey, they're ordering delivery because they don't feel like doing this shit at home. <laughs> you, yeah. give, you give them something to do anyways, you know. But I'm um, sorry, back to kids. Now you're seeing a big boom with yeah. these kids' gyms and kids' trainers because, I mean, at least parents are aware now that children need more movement. In. But with some of these trainers coming in, doesn't it require an amount of experience to train children? You can't just get your certificate last week and say, okay, I'm going to start off by training kids because they're the easiest. I think they're the hardest. Yeah, I'd say you do need experience training people and you need to have experience with kids because that goes twofold. You kind of build up a common sense when training people. You know what people's limits are and you kind of over time learn you can push people's limits, but it's not just straight into the gym. Okay, here, one rep max your first day in the gym. Like You kind of learn how to push people's limits. Yeah. And the same thing with kids. You have to start real slow. But then also you need to have experience with kids to kind of understand their mindset um, and not, again, force them into something that they don't want to do. So like a kid just really doesn't want to do a movement and you're like trying to get them to again and again. He's like, you have to do this. You have to do this. It's just they don't want like you're just trying to push the same thing. And again, it turns them off from that and they don't want to do it anymore. And like a lot of people um, kind of lose interest in sports or lose interest sure, in, yeah. in hobbies yep. because they've been forced into it and, and made to do it. And like I remember, I've got a friend who she used to do figure skating, um, and again she used to have to do tons of stuff. For like are, we talking, are we talking about yeah. Tyler? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She, 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 I asked her like, Sorry. "Why did you start?" Sorry, she's my cousin. You can throw her name. Yeah. Right. So she, she was like, "No," because she used to have to do it all the time. Like she and the the training was super stressful and strict, and, and it wasn't fun anymore. So yeah, yeah. and she and, ended up she ended up quitting. Yeah. yeah no, you're right, and exactly. I get that, and that happens with yep. loads of kids, loads of kids. Yeah. Um, whether it's rugby, whether it's uh, CrossFit and stuff, like people, especially parents, like. Yeah, the whole CrossFit cult kind of thing, and I know parents are introduced the kids to CrossFit, and I think it's the right way and the wrong way. Like, in, I think the way you're doing it is the right way, but a lot of parents like kind of force their kids into it. Like, yeah, you, you guys have to do CrossFit. And I like, mean, with with children, it's you give them 
the opportunities, see what they gravitate yeah, towards. Yeah, exactly. You know, like DJ loves basketball. He's not going to be 6'4 yeah. or 7 feet tall, but the kid loves basketball. I'm, if he wants an opportunity to play, I'm going to give him that opportunity. Yeah. He loves swimming. I give him that opportunity. He loves lifting heavy crap, so I give him that opportunity. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's parents need to introduce it to the child. And let them pick yeah. and choose what they love and want to do. It's like, 100%. Yeah, it's like baseball as a coach. You know, I got some of the best players, these kids that had so much talent, but their parents were just too hard on them and they just quit. And they're mm. like, all right, you know, we're done. And then you get crappy coaches that either don't encourage the kid that throws wrong or does something in, in a wrong way and they quit or you get the <laughs> Dave's trying to drink water with the microphone around the microphone oh that was awesome ah, there we go got the straw got the straw there we go <laughs> problem solution so no no that and that's a that's a perfect point and i only brought it up because a couple of weeks ago i saw this this ad of a person that i know yeah and you know he, she, I'm going to say, I'm going to say both so they don't know. So they, you know, they just got certified. We're going to talk about transgender. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, hey, we're dropping transgender into this conversation. We, 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 we can go into the he, she, t- transgender if you guys want. But, you know, they just got their training certific- certification and they're yeah. like, okay, I'm going to train kids for free so I can get the adults in. Mm. And I was like, dude, that's so wrong because you're going to either go too hard on these kids not know what the hell you're doing because you don't have that experience. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of experience that goes into yeah. what you guys do. That's yeah, it's two think, completely different yeah. disciplines. I think though. you can learn a lot from doing both. Can't mm. you? And there's, there's a lot of things that you learn by training adults that you can apply to kids. And there's a lot of things you can, when but you dude, train college kids, degrees you can apply are useless. to adults. I'll tell you right now, college degree is useless. A master's degree is toilet paper. To be honest with you, like, I mean, I don't know. I never got my degree, which no, is a but, big but, running no, joke. But dude, there's, there's so Between much, me and my friends, there's they, uh, so much more that comes with experience in doing a job. Day I know, day right? Yeah. Versus, you know, oh, I need this, this biggest, piece of biggest advocate. Here, no, but it's, it's yeah, true. I need this piece of paper to justify yeah. me. If you're a PhD, if you're a doctor and you're writing books and shit, yeah, you need that for research sake because it teaches you how to research. <laughs> hey man, my wife's going to be writing books. My, dude, my, my wife, man, she's smart. She, she got me from a 2.0 to about a 3.2. Yeah, dude, my wife too. She's like, she's an English teacher. So, I mean, my vocabulary has increased twofold. So. <laughs> right, dude, that's a big difference. Yeah, that. Vocabulary <laughs> only. <laughs> Got to keep the bro stats. <laughs> <laughs> but, but going back to it, you know, they get this, this piece of paper and they think all of a sudden I can start training people. There's experience. Yeah, yeah that's the biggest that, problem that, with that CrossFit level one as well. People getting that, yeah. and just, like <laughs> opening gyms yeah. and stuff. And no, so the, but I mean, since probably the level one has become around, like, yeah. there's certifications for everything. Yeah, like you can get a certification for walking properly, and you're like, okay, like there's probably a certain amount of common sense that you can get around. Like if when you walk <laughs> it hurts, up here then you're probably doing it incorrectly. But if yeah. it doesn't hurt, probably okay. So, but like. There's certifications and people are trying to charge you six hundred to a thousand dollars or whatever for kind of stuff that most people know already. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there might be for a better example might be like a kettlebell seminar. Some are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Some are absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And like they actually teach you advanced techniques, like the a lot of people who are very good with kettlebells use. And there's other people who literally teach you how to swing. A kettlebell up to your shoulders and back down again, which you could learn from a PT no. in the course of thirty minutes to an hour, yeah. like in an hour if you're really bad at it. Yeah, yeah. But they're charging you five to six hundred dollars just for that, that, and that's the course. That dude, kind of it's content. like it's like nutritionists now too. It's so. blowing up here. It's it's blowing up with these oh, these people with a shitty background. <laughs> yeah. That's just they're just getting these certificates oh. and these degrees, and they're like, oh, I. Dude, you don't know shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of these down. people are like Instagram nutritionists. Like, look at me. I'm ripped. So follow my nutrition plan. And it's just, again, it goes into different types of people, different like, experiences, different yep. problems. Not everybody needs to be on a keto diet. Not everybody needs to be on a no-carbs diet. Or not everybody needs to do intermittent fasting. I mean, all of these diets have their, their benefits and they do work. But it doesn't mean it's the mold that fits for every single person. Like, I think... I'm genuinely an advocate of just having a balanced diet, like, yeah, you know, eating relatively healthy, not making it super strict because some people really struggle with that, like, uh, that whole bland. I, I, I'm one of those people I can't do that whole bland chicken and broccoli. Dude, that's, and, that's just crazy. Like, that's just a whole different level of crazy. Yeah, like, I say that looking at you because I was, do you, do you ever do that? I never did that shit. I mean, uh, we, we did keto before. You guys did keto before? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I tried kind of keto. Kind of, I, like, like, I, I thought it was keto. Kind of. This was like a, a fantastic experience. <laughs> yeah. So when we, when we lived together, 
we both did Kizo at the same time. Oh, man. That's and awesome. we both reacted <laughs> very differently to it. So it benefited you because I remember you talking about it on the show. Yeah. And I'm assuming you probably got the keto flu and all the shitty side effects too. Yeah. Or is then, it more like the Atkins where you just like just got diarrhea for a week? I didn't really like research the keto thing properly. So I was just like eating what he was eating and then eating more on top of that. So I was like, ah. Oh. One thing I really love is like a bowl of cereal. That's my, that's my one, my go-to treat. So I'd be like eating keto all day. And then... This was like day one of keto. Okay. In the evening, I, I got home and I was like, oh, I've eaten only healthy food today. So like only vegetables yeah. and lean meats and any carbohydrates. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to have a bowl of cereal. Sat down at a bowl of cereal. He walks in and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, man? We had a deal. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I'm, st- I'm still eating keto. <laughs> it's like, that's a, that's see, that's 80-20 principle right there. That's the 80 That is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so apparently you can't do keto for like some part of the days and not other parts of the days. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. Well, the whole thing is you want to get your body into ketosis. Yeah. A lot of guys now in the States carry like these little pee tabs. You piss Dude, on there's it. so many things. There's another thing. Like I think you like a little pipe thing you breathe into, and it tells Dude, you. There's so much yes. shit out there. It's all marketing ploys. Yeah, it's man. all marketing bullshit. Like majority of it is marketing crap. Like let's be honest, they're mm-hmm. just trying to sell you something. If you want to find out if you're in ketosis or not, just. Smell do your it. Breath. See how you feel. No, yeah, <laughs> your breath stinks. Just see, how, just see how you feel, dude. Just see how you feel. And I think that's the best part. Is like you see what your body wants and what works with your body. Yeah, you know that's it. Speaking of bodies, let's take let's let's take a little shift here. Let's get into a little CrossFit right now. Oh, wow. We got the uh, Flair Fitness Festival coming up next week. We've discussed some of the wads or yeah. some of the workouts that are involved. We can discuss real quick workout one. You know, since I got you and Liam here and I'm participating in it, I, I'm just like, dude, this is not like for me, I'm looking at it, I'm like, shit, this level's like beyond what I expected for Flair Fitness. I thought it would be at more of a intermediate level. Yeah. But when you have the burpee box jump overs, which that, I can't even do, I can't that, even jump that's, over. That's what too, no? Isn't the first word a uh, 90? Oh, I, no, it's something uh, like that. Uh, Max, Max Elsett hold. Max Elsett hold. I like that. I like that like too. From a gymnastics, I, I yeah, like that. No, that, I was, that I don't have a problem <laughs> yeah. with. That is something you should be able to do. Second cool. thing was the burpee box so, jump over. The second thing I've got with just no hands. Here. Do you want me to read it out real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So um, we've got five rounds for time. So this is for the individuals. So five rounds for time. Uh, seven burpee box jump overs at 20 inch and then 14 toaster bar 14 kettlebell snatch at uh, 20 kilos in a 10 minute time cap yeah I 10 minute time cap 10 minute time cap to me is like okay it's doable it's fast that's that that's really fast that's two minutes per round when you break it down for five rounds that's two minutes per round the burpee box jump overs is the biggest hurdle because you can't put your hands on the bar uh, the literally box. a hurdle yeah, but dude, it's a bad hurdle. Like, I'm short. I fucking I fell on the box when I was trying burpee box jump overs. I literally caught my heel on the box, came right down on my tricep. Oh, they can't jump a, onto the box at all. No, dude, you can't oh. put your hands on the box. Yeah, I was like, what are you guys talking about? I like, that's a, that's start a cool to get over that thing. That was a cool crossover workout, but I didn't know you weren't like uh, yeah, allowed cool. to jump on the box. <laughs> Yeah, it's because it's got toe to bar in it. <laughs> toes, but toes to bar, I don't mind. We did that yesterday. It was fun working out with you guys, by yeah. the way. It was a lot of fun working out with you two. Um, <laughs> the shit talking to yeah, Tony. Right. Like, well, man, you, like, guys, you guys need to learn like how to keep high up. Heart rate. You need to learn how to keep up with there's me. There's high right? heart rate shit talking right. going on. <laughs> like, I was at so, one point. <laughs> you gonna run? <laughs> <laughs> I was at one point. He got off the treadmill. He's putting on his uh, his wrist straps. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm just. I gotta get ready. I'm gonna get ready. For <laughs> I, this. I was like, no. <laughs> but when you look at these workouts, there's that workout. There's the second workout, which is grip and rip, and then quick and slick. Yeah. Grip and rip is. I think grip and rip is going to be the one that they they chose for the third fitness thing. But here's the thing: with even with the first workout in t- a ten minute time cap. Yeah, you know, that's that's doable. Yeah. I don't see myself finishing it. I honestly, unless I burn through the uh, the kettlebell snatch, which I'm good at, and I've been training with a higher weight level, so that should be easy. But I mean, the burpee box jumps, I'm screwed. Yeah, man, I, I see what you're trying to do, like with the uh, competition kind of point of view. It's like it's fun movements to watch, and they're quick, so it's for, more for like the crowd participation as well. So people are more interested in the workouts. But yeah, for the level of athletes, I mean, I think some, a lot of people will struggle with it, but there will be that that, that bunch on top will manage to, to I make it. I think that, um, like, I really like the look of the workout. Yeah. I'm not sure, like, again, we don't know for sure the standards. 
Yeah. Um, and we don't know for sure whether well, they, I'm gonna try they will cheat. be. I'm going to try and get away with as much shit as possible. I'll tell you right now. Cross it. Cross it. I'm going to try and cheat, get away with as much shit as possible. And that's Give about it. Give the judge 10KD. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the one that was voted on. And we'll go through We'll go through each one of them. We'll go through right. the student cop. Grip and rip. 10-minute time cap. Eight squat cleans at 75 and 55 pounds. 15 pull-ups. Eight squat cleans. 95 pounds, 65 pounds. 12 chest to bar. Eight squat cleans, 115, 85 pounds, nine bar muscle ups, eight squat cleans, 135, 95 pounds, and then six ring muscle ups, and then ending it with eight squat cleans, 155 to 105 pounds. So that's the split of that workout. Now for the students, I think that's up to 21. I think that is a little bit too complicated, but for those elite students, I know one of them going into it, uh, one of the Marafi boys. There are two brothers, and they're just they, these kids. They've just learned it all in the last year, and they can do bar, they can do uh, ring muscle ups, and they're like, "We want ring muscle ups because not a lot of kids can do them." So that to me is like they're setting the skill level. And Liam touched on this. He was like, "All right, you guys, you know, you you want to separate the skill levels, which I get. You do want to do that, but there's you know there's a point of it being fun for the athletes, and then just fun for the crowds, and some guy just looking at the rings like, "Shit, I can't do this." And standing there for ten minutes, so it's yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough balance. Like um, we kind of like we see it all the time. We could be super critical about probably every CrossFit competitions program that there ever has been. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think the most important thing, and probably like a lot of feedback that I've had from competitions over the last like kind of one to two years, is that like the amount of crowd participation can go up and down, but the people who are always going to be there is the athletes. And yep. So realistically, That's those true. are the most important people who are coming to the competition yeah 90% of people come into any competition apart from like the elite kind of levels are kind of there just because it's fun and so like the priority really should be that it's fun for most of most of the athletes um if there's a kind of situation where like athletes are sat there at the beginning of a workout not being able to do a skill kind of maybe like a little bit embarrassed maybe like trying to laugh it off kind of or they've even like they they've traveled for a two day competition and like they're sat there not being able to do a workout. They spent a lot of money to get there. Then like it's not ideal from kind of the athlete's point of view. Yeah. And so yeah, I'd say that's that's kind of the most important thing. Like when we kind of see the like bar muscle ups and ring muscle ups and like that towards the end of the workout, like it's not so bad. Like we know that there's going to be a differentiation of skill towards the end of the workout. Yeah. Um, but I just know that kind of previously we've seen like handstand walks coming up early in workouts. And you saw like, guys falling all over the place in the Battle of the East. Yeah. Like it, was, so, it was, it sucked. It sucked for some of those teams. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, it's fantastic for those guys who can do handstand walks and it's no problem for them. But then, yeah, like for the guys who couldn't, like they literally stood there standing on the floor waiting for everyone else to finish, knowing full well that they can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, it's like 10 to 15 minutes of practice for them. Yeah which is great, but you don't like, how often do you really want to practice in front of 300 other people like watching you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with the pressure so, and everything else on top of it, like, dude, it's like, yeah. Like sometimes it helps people and like they get it and they get their first one, which is absolutely fantastic. But the majority of the time, like it's, it's, it's pretty tough. And yeah. so that it's always a hard balance for like programmers to, to find. But I mean, like just from the looks of this, I mean, like with, <laughs> with the kind of the size of the competition, like I would just probably like in, in purely my opinion, I'd say like it looks like it's quite advanced level programming for what I know of the Kuwaiti community. And it's probably mm-hmm. going to be predominantly Kuwaiti. Unless it was built for flair. I mean, Ben Smith came out with a post last night that said, you know, CrossFit needs to regulate how these competitions are structuring their workouts. So it's not biased towards their own competitors so that they're geared in to win. I mean, there's that way of looking at it. Like the flare guys, yeah, true. you know, the top flare guys could be ready for this shit. Yeah. You know, maybe it's something, maybe it's because every gym probably has their modality. Yeah. You know, we kind of talked about that yesterday where we did, you know, crazy deadlifts. And I said, oh, that's this gym's thing, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, this other gym has a different thing and they focus on this, but maybe their modalities mainly focused around certain specific things like the cleans, the dead, true. the you know, the gymnastics. And for the most part, like I think, I think when you're, when you start to learn to program, you kind of program for the best and then you scale down. And so like, maybe that's exactly what's happening. Like these guys know, they know they're actually, there's, like, there's <laughs> like three to five athletes who like can probably smash this. 
or like are going to find it pretty tough. Maybe they and just don't want Circuit Plus to win again. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking a but, lot um, of shit today. But, I mean, the, the, like the ultimately the fact is that it's not kind of an international competition yet. It's going to be for like predominantly the Kuwaiti fitness community, um, and like it's it looks like it's pretty advanced. Like I know that I'm going to have like I'm going to have athletes who like are not going to find this super fun. Yeah, because like there's a lot of things that they can't do. Speaking so. of super fun, what do you guys think of the prize pot? You know how men get paid? What is it, three thousand dollars? And women, women get paid like, yeah, I'm going hardcore on this one. Today, <laughs> going dude. In, I'm, going, I'm going all okay. in. I'm going all in. You guys stop me when you want. I'm the shit stirrer on this show. I'm going all in on this. Like, dude, it's so sexist. You know why I'm saying that? Because they deleted two of my comments. <laughs> I'm Man, I would delete every one of your comments. Yeah, I, would I, would I, would I would too. I would too. I would definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't allow me to comment on anything. But I mean. In this day and age, when you have the females putting in the same amount of effort into a workout, even CrossFit, the games, they don't separate. You know, they, they don't segregate between male and female prize pots. You know, it should be. If you're giving a guy's team $2,000, you give the female team $2,000 at the same time. Yeah, I think, um, like, I mean, Dane will get your opinion on this in a second. Because <laughs> I know he's you're like <laughs> checking through it. But I'm just um, like, oh, I can't find the, uh, the female prize. Uh, oh, it's right there. You got it like, it's right teams underneath. There. As you, as you said. So the males get three thousand. But no, no, this is the the team. Oh, that's the, the. I'm trying to look for the individual because there's it's, no female individual. Oh, category. Not? And their whole thing was, oh, we don't have enough female participation. I mean, yeah, I mean that's been one of the biggest problem in the Middle East, though, when it comes to cross competitions. There's a very small yeah, number dude, of how, female. How many sponsors do you have? It's this is my problem with competitions in Kuwait and yeah. events in Kuwait is they're not nonprofit. They're not for the greater good of the community. A lot of the time. You know, it's to make money. Yeah. Like these, you know, the people that are, you know, the judges, are they getting paid? I, 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 my opinion is that if, if, uh, <laughs> if, you, if, if, you, no, <laughs> if, if you're going to have like a, a high male prize pot and a low female prize pot, like, okay, if there's low amount of female participation, so you can't really justify like a high female prize pot. Okay. No problem. Increase it a little bit, but drop the males down to be the same. Like, especially for this level of competition yeah. where. Like, it's not an international competition. People aren't paying that much to, to come here to be here. Like, really, it's just, like, a day out for some people. If they win $200, like, that's, that's fantastic. That's, like, a little bit. And the main thing that they're going to win is, like, a little bit of bragging rights over other people. So, like... I think even it out, come, I mean... It's come down from CrossFit that male and females, like, have always had the same amount of prize money. They don't say um, So, like, I mean, I don't see that it should be any different. Like, you still comp- they're, they're still competing, like... Yeah, sure. There's less of them to compete, but, but I think they're still doing the same amount of work. They're still going to get on the podium. Yeah. They're still like so. The prize money shouldn't. I don't think it should be different for that. That's but that's my personal opinion. I mean, no personal opinion, dude. At this day and age, and you know, my my wife Haya was like, you know, go easy on this. Don't don't talk about it too much. Don't hit on it too much. I was like, why? At, in this day and age, if you were going to be sexist, mm. you do need to be called out at some point. And we see it a lot nowadays. You I, know, I would like to see females encouraged into sport rather, I agree, 100%, rather than, rather than anything else and kind of um like having lower prize money because there's less female participation to me it only encourages less female participation yeah, yeah. um like more women aren't going to be bothered about going into it because like they see the prize money and they go oh well we'll never get the recognition yep. that we could get so it goes like, back into no the point. male patriarchy and yeah, all that so. shit you know that males think they're better than females you know we still live in that era especially in this region and it's like, but, oh, you say that, but Kuwait was one of the first places to uh, close allow that, women to that, vote. Yeah, it, it allow women to vote, but to close the wage gaps. And men, I think women women get paid the same as men in Kuwait, isn't it? Oh wow, yeah, I'm pretty wow, sure that's that, true. And look, it, we have. I love it in Kuwait. It's weird, <laughs> like yeah, like living in the Middle East, like women generally don't have as many rights as men do. But I think in Kuwait, Kuwait, in, it's a lot better. It's a lot better it's than, than every better. yeah than, yeah, than everywhere else. It's it quite is. like an interesting thing. But yeah, when it comes to the cross competition, no, I don't think there should be a, a gap. I think, like again, we said that the, they're doing the same amount of work. They're going to get it on the podium. Like there shouldn't be a difference in the prize money just because there's less participants. Like it just means that you're kind of looking at it from a business perspective, how you're going to make more money on it. And I think that's one small part of it. But like you said before, like the athletes are always going to be the ones that make up that competition. So kind of cater to them, not to, to yourselves. Yeah, I, th- I think it would go a long way towards, as I said, encouraging female participation. Yeah. Um, and if you're in, seen to be doing that, then that is far more kind of uh, positive publicity than just giving the guys an extra $500 or whatever it is. Like, I mean, really, if you... If, if you hadn't put the the guy's money higher, no one would notice. 
Mm. Like so, like if if they got a little bit less, everyone would be like, cool, okay, well, I'm still going to compete. I'm still yeah. going to still going to try and win. Like cause it's bragging rights over other people. Like I'm going to try yeah, and beat my my best friend or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think the important thing though is is encouraging female participation. I think and unfortunately for me, it doesn't really do that. Mm. And probably coming from a gym that is very well known for having like a strong female following. Yeah. Which is kind of a little bit frustrating, but hey, that's. My, I mean, if, if 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 they chalk it up to it being a marketing thing and they didn't have enough females to participate, I'd love to hear the rationale behind it. I'd love to see them come out with a statement or something saying, "Hey, this is why we did it," you know, and a legit excuse or a legit reason, not you know, oh, we didn't have enough female participation. Participation in general, usually prize pots are announced before a competition even starts. Like when you're signing up, your prize pots are announced. Here in Kuwait, it's the opposite. It's like we'll we'll tell you at the end. You know, we'll we'll leave it till the end. So, was the uh, battle? Did they announce it later? Did they announce it when you guys signed up. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember either. I'm pretty sure they announced it when. Like, I, I like our um, Y Fitness Championship. That's it. They put it up before people sign up, and then they're like, so many, you, so many money categories to win on that thing. Because that's that's how you get people to sign yeah. up more. Yeah, it's a no, marketing thing. Exactly. Like, use your brains. You know, say we have a ten thousand dollar prize pot, then you're going to get people signing up all over the region. You know, to participate and win $10,000. I think, but going back to the Dubai Fitness Championship, the thing that made it more like interesting for me was the fact that, okay, you didn't have to win the competition to get money or to to earn a little bit of a prize, like for that bragging rights that you're talking about. Like if you qualified in the top category just for the qualifiers, you'd get a payout and you got there. Then if you you got in the top three for any any of the events, you'd get a payout. You get a payout, yeah. It was, that was like exciting. Like you you kind of makes you feel like that professional athlete if you're winning some money for winning an, an, an event. Um, and I think that was like a, a big drawing fact for, for Dubai Fitness Championship that brought a lot of people in from the States um, and a lot of the higher caliber athletes as well. Um, now, especially if they made it one of the qualifying events for... for Which is amazing, you yeah. know, and I mean, I think we're far away from that because we don't want to pay the money. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, like it's, it comes down, it comes down to the money of it. And, you know, like seriously, I, and, and I definitely invite anyone to give us a reason or give me a reason. Cause I know Liam doesn't like to stir the pot as much as me. <laughs> I don't mind letting you do it. He's probably going to be like, after this episode, let's cut all that out. <laughs> do some editing. But no, I mean, I think that's the whole point of this is to bring up some of these social issues, especially when it comes to sports. Cause it's so important. And I think it's important to everyone in this room because we look at health and fitness and we look about the competitive side of it also. So, I mean, it would be great to see an event here that was non-profit. I'd love to see that. Dane, thanks for joining us today, oh, man. It was awesome. We didn't have the transgender conversation. We'll have that later on. All right. Unless you want, unless you want to talk about that. You can say it <laughs> two cents if you want, man. I think we said that far enough for today. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.